favor of doing the embarrassing stretches than being the one who has to sit on the sidelines. As you start to age, your body just starts to change and you need to pay attention to your body and give it what it needs. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and it's my mission to get you moving more and feeling better so you can think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. How are you? It's been a hectic few weeks around the Peak household. I feel like this is my first real week where I am getting back into a routine since summer. My middle daughter just started her freshman year of college and is at a school where they don't start until after Labor Day. And then because they were in the path of the hurricane, school got pushed back again. So I was traveling last week after helping her get moved into the dorm. And then I got home last Tuesday night. And then the following morning, I got up and started getting ready to do a race that we have here in Olathe, Kansas called the Patriots Run. The Patriots Run is a 9-hour and 11-minute race that some people will run as an ultra run. Some people will just run for a few hours. I always participate in the team event where we have a team and there's a one-mile loop and we take turns passing the timing chip and run continuously, have somebody on the team running continuously for nine hours and 11 minutes. So that was last Wednesday. It is a great event. It is always on September 11th, and it is an annual run to honor those who lost their lives in the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. It is a great event honoring first responders, those who courageously run toward danger, and those who lost their lives that day. So like I said, we had a relay team and the goal was to keep somebody on our team running for the full 9 hour and 11 minutes, taking turns passing that chip, running one runner at a time. It was really hot that day, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing when you're doing a race that is in memory and honoring people who experienced a lot of pain and suffering on that day. kind of helps bring the purpose home. But it was really something to watch too from the ultra runners battling the heat to the military division, the people carrying their military rucksack, backpacks loaded up with weight and just the different ways that people chose to honor those who served and who lost their lives that day. So all of that to say that it has been crazy, crazy around here. That was on Wednesday, and then while I was running that race, I had a friend say, hey, Kim, do you want to come up to Omaha and run the Omaha Marathon with us? And I had realized earlier in the week that it was my 10-year anniversary of choosing that race as my first half marathon. So I thought, what a great way to commemorate that day, because 10 years is a lot of running, And I got to go up to Omaha and hang out with some of my original running inspiration friends. So that was a lot of fun. But here's the thing. I had not been training to run a half marathon. I did not enter the marathon. I entered 
registered for the half, but I had not been training to run a half marathon. I've been walking a lot with a friend in the mornings and I've been running sporadically and my last long run was back in August and it was six miles. So I signed up for this race because I have been telling all of you that it's possible. We've done, I think, three episodes now where I keep reminding you that you're not too old. It's never too late. Anything is possible. You just need to get out there and try. And so I decided it was time to eat my own dog food, so to speak. So I went up there and I ran. And my thought process going into it was, I know I can walk the whole thing. And I thought I would start out with a walk run. And then when my body just gave out, I would walk. So I wanted to kind of test and just see how far I could go first before I started walking all the time. And what happened was I ran the first three miles and then I noticed my pace was dropping off. So then I went to the walk-run ratio that I like, run three minutes, walk 45 seconds. And I did that and I was able to last the entire race without having to walk without running in between. So I, I was really excited about how I did. My time was not amazing by any means, but that was not the point. The point was to get out there and to put my speech, put my talk to the test. So I am happy to report that I successfully completed that, which gives me even that much more ammunition, I hope, when I am talking with you, trying to convince you that it is possible to walk or run that marathon if you're afraid of getting started. And like we talked about over the summer, I know that as you get older or as different things take place in your life, maybe you stress out a little bit about being slower than you were or needing to walk and you worry, what are other people going to think? And I feel like I've been kind of testing this over the summer and over the last few months. I also got another surprise this week. Remember that I also did some triathlons over the summer. And I jumped back into that. Trained. I had been swimming. I had been biking. I had been running. But by no means was I hardcore training. I was. My goal was only to get out there and have fun. And once again, show you that if you just drop your expectations, go out there and have fun, you can still enjoy the event and good things will happen. So I got a surprise last week. As I was out there having fun, I qualified for triathlon nationals, which is super exciting to me. It is in Milwaukee this year in 2020. And so I am hopeful that I will be able to focus on some training and actually get there and do that race. But My point in sharing all of this is that I want you all to know, I want you all to think about this. Just get out there, put yourself out there, drop all your expectations and go have fun. So next I want to segue into my original purpose of this podcast for today. I wanted to talk a little bit about what your morning routine is like. 
Now that your kids are in school, have you settled into a rhythm where you're working out again before you go to work or before you start your day? In addition to the obvious health benefits, exercise makes us feel more alive. It helps with focus and it even makes it easier to learn new things. So there's lots of good reasons to exercise in the morning, including that you'll be more productive, which your coworkers will appreciate. But I want you to think about this too. As we age, the type of workout that you do first thing in the morning might need to change or you might need to adjust that. Maybe you have stiffness in your ankles, hips, or back. Maybe that's more than what you were used to. And so maybe it takes a little bit longer to warm your body up so that you can go into a more high-intensity form of exercise. That means that it's more important to begin any workout with a dynamic warm-up. And I really do swear by this. I mentioned that I went to Omaha over the weekend so I could do the race. And I took my foam roller, I took my roller ball that I rubbed my feet on so that I could take care of my stiff calves and my stiff arches before I went to bed that night. And also so that I could do a little, incorporate that into a little bit of a warm up before we got to the start line that day. So I foam rolled my calves, I rolled out my arches, and then I've talked quite a few times about the dynamic warm up that I like to do where I do a combination of what I call bottoms up, then inchworm, then I do a plank to lunge, so start in a plank, then alternate bringing each of your legs up to your elbow while you're in that plank, and then I do something called a a rotate or a reach and wrap where I'm standing and kind of doing a twisting motion to warm up my back. Those are just super quick pieces of that warm up but I swear by it and it makes it so much easier to function. So if you are struggling in the mornings because your body just isn't into the idea, I would recommend starting with some sort of a dynamic warm-up. Besides that it's just a smart thing to do, you will find that your body responds better to the exercise that you do after that. While we are on that topic, let's talk a little bit though about the style of stretching that you should do. So when you warm up before you exercise, you should do what's called a dynamic warm up. That is where you are constantly moving. You're not holding any part of your stretch for a long period of time. I always like to think back to the old style of static stretching that many of us grew up with in gym class where you would walk into a gym and everybody would hold a stretch And maybe you even see people do this before when a bunch of runners meet up to work out. Everybody starts pulling that foot up to their butt, stretching out the quad and leaning forward, touching their toes to stretch out their their hamstrings and their calves. And when you hold those stretches, it actually works against your performance and opens you up to injury. So the correct way of doing this is to do a dynamic warm-up where you're in constant motion, you're still moving to stretch, but you're not holding that stretch. And you wanna do that before you exercise. And then at the end of your workout, that's when you want to do the static stretch, where you hold that stretch from anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes per body part. 
Now, I also know that people sometimes don't like to do this warm-up in front of, you know, at a start line, in front of a running group, in front of anybody, because most people don't do these warm-ups. And it really should be something that is incorporated into, it should be just be a standard part of your running. But I get that people don't like to do this because you feel like people are going to look at you too. But I'll tell you what, I am more in favor of doing the embarrassing stretches than being the one who has to sit on the sidelines. As you start to age, your body just starts to change and you need to pay attention to your body and give it what it needs. And if you're over 40, one of the things I guarantee your body is asking for is a warm-up before you jump into that activity. Now, as somebody over 50, like myself, I don't want to slow down. I don't want to sit on the sidelines while everybody else is having a great time. And so I really believe that it's time for a mindset shift about what it means to age, what it means to be a master's athlete. We need to embrace this concept of active aging, moving every day in some form, whether that's working on strength and mobility, walking, doing yoga, running, cycling, rowing, doing the elliptical, whatever your primary sport is, you need to be consistent. But you might also need to change the way you approach that. You might not be able to run as many days. You might have to incorporate more yoga. You might have to decide to cycle Drop one of your running days and add an additional cycling day. Whatever it takes to listen to your body so that your body can adapt to your training so you can still push yourself, but so that your body has time to recover from the stress that you are putting on it. Now, I'm also not saying your body is going to fall apart just because your birthday cake has 40 or 50 or 60 candles on it either. But I do think it's important to keep in mind that you need to approach your fitness differently as you age. You need to train smarter, but you should never believe that you were locked into a sedentary lifestyle or that you are stuck with a life of living in pain. There are always solutions. So if you are in that place where you're not doing what you want, Don't give up. Keep looking for those answers because I know that there is an answer out there that will work for you. I also always try to remind people that we need seven to nine hours of sleep each night and it's not a good idea to lose sleep in order to get in your morning workout. So that means that you'll need to work backwards with a plan to get all of your chores done, all your family routines handled early the night before. And if you have a 5 a.m. workout scheduled, that means you also need to be in bed by 9 or 10 o'clock so that you're getting enough sleep. And being in bed means ready to sleep, not playing on your phone or watching television. I know that can be super hard, right? Now, because you listen to this podcast, I am sure you're aware that I am really big on listening to your body, mobility, strength work, foam rolling, rest and recovery, getting enough sleep, proper nutrition. That can be a ton of stuff to add into your life if you are already not accustomed to it. And one of the things I see when people start a run training program or a triathlon training program is 
all of a sudden there's all of these new behaviors that you have to incorporate. It's not just about the running or the swim bike running. It is about a whole bunch of other lifestyle factors. So it can get overwhelming. So what I recommend is, one, trying to remember that these other things like stretching, yoga, foam rolling, strength work, you need to consider these part of your training plan. These are not the extras. They're not the, oh, I'll get to them if I have extra time. This is part of the plan and incorporating these things is just as important as doing the running. However, I also know it's hard to fit these things in. And so one of the things that I propose is that you incorporate your strength and some of your stretching routines into small increments throughout your day. For my running clients who don't necessarily like to foam roll or to stretch, one thing you could do is to keep your foam roller on the path to your coffee pot in the morning. Then mentally pair foam rolling with making coffee in the morning. And that way every time you're on your way to your coffee or while you're waiting for your coffee to make, you just spend a few minutes foam rolling. That way these behaviors are tied together in your mind and you're less likely to put them off or forget them. I've mentioned a few times that one of the things we do with my daughter is we pair taking her inhaler for her asthma with brushing her teeth. And we ask her to keep her inhaler next to her toothbrush. Then every time it's just part of your routine. I take my inhaler, I brush my teeth. I make my coffee, I foam roll. You pair those in your mind and then you're less likely to forget. Now we all have days that go off the rails and despite our good intentions, we just can't get in the full workout that we planned. On those days, what I like to encourage you to do is to have a collection of one-minute workouts. These are workouts that you can fit into small bursts of time. It could be a short movement break that you do at your desk or something that you do while you're brushing your teeth or doing the dishes. And it keeps you in the habit of moving and helps reinforce that commitment you've made to yourself. At the end of the day, you are going to know that you did your best and you're not going to have that guilt that you might have when you feel like you've failed. So even if it is, oh, I didn't do any strength work today and it's the end of the day, you can brush your teeth and do 25 squats while you brush your teeth. That way, you're still telling yourself that I'm serious about this training and I'm serious about the commitment that I've made to myself. And you really will feel better because you'll feel like you've done something. And it's always better to do something than to do nothing at all. Because movement is such powerful medicine, I also am an advocate of taking short movement breaks once an hour throughout the day. I know this is easier said than done, but if you could get in the habit of setting an alarm on your phone, take a five-minute break at the top of each hour, get up and have your exercises already listed out, know what you're going to do for the day, get up and do a short little two to five minute, one to five minute routine. It will clear your mind. It will give you more energy and you'll be getting in that strength work that we've been talking about. You can do these exercises Tabata style where you 
do 20 seconds of work and 10 seconds of rest and you do eight rounds so that would be for eight minutes four minutes total or you could set a timer and say I'm going to do as many push-ups or sit-ups or mountain climbers as I can in one minute there's a lot of different ways you can go about it but the important thing is setting that alarm to the top of each hour and getting up and moving even if it is walking up and down the stairs at work or getting up and walking to the bathroom just to get up and walk clears your head and it absolutely helps you concentrate more I know another thing that I have done since I am spending more time at my desk lately I am getting horrible headaches because of the position of my chair from sitting looking at a computer all day and so I bought a little stand that I put on my desk that will raise my computer up so that I can spend more of my day standing and that has really helped me feel more mentally alert but it's also helped me so that I don't have this giant bowling ball of a head hanging down pulling on my neck giving me headaches all day so just figure out a way to work those things in because only 23% of Americans get the amount of weekly exercise recommended by the Center for Disease Control, I really, really like this idea of incorporating exercise in two to five minute increments. It just gives you a way to work in that exercise. You've probably heard the research that says that sitting is the new smoking. And even if you are somebody who is a runner who gets out there and runs your hour a day or you're doing some sort of cardio for 30 to 60 minutes you are still at risk if you spend a lot of time sitting so if you spend a lot of time sitting make a point to get up and move at least once an hour stretch walk do some squats do some walking lunges do some light cardio also because a jump rope is small and portable it's an ideal piece of equipment for an office or for anybody on the go, or if you're somebody who travels a lot, just a few minutes a day of any of these activities will add up and make a significant difference in your health. You can start by jumping rope at lunch and then maybe add some additional sessions throughout the day. Maybe rather than drink, reaching for a sweet drink or scrolling social media when you hit that afternoon slump that everybody inevitably hits, you could get your jump rope out and go to the parking lot and do a quick burst of cardio and just get yourself energized, clear the brain fog without having to resort to caffeine or a bunch of sugar-filled snacks. If you have more time, you could incorporate jump roping into a Tabata routine and then you could alternate body weight exercises for strength training with your jump roping. So maybe you do... 20 seconds of jump roping, 10 minute, 10 seconds of rest, 20 seconds of squats, 10 seconds of rest, 20 seconds of jump roping, 10 seconds of rest, 20 seconds of walking lunges, 10 seconds of rest. Kind of get the idea, but you can alternate the intensity, you can alternate the types of workouts and get a, a good solid cardio workout in just a few minutes. Now, switching gears a bit, I really, really think it's important for all athletes to keep a journal. We've talked before about this. I like just a spiral, bi- spiral notebook or a three-ring binder that you 
hole punch some plain white paper in and just stick it in there so that you can kind of adjust what information you want to track. I have all my running clients keep a journal and I give them prompts in their training plan to reflect on each week. And one of the most beautiful things about this journal is that they are able to go back and read the notes that they've left themselves. So they see that they can do hard things. They see those hard things made them feel proud. They have a record of their training and all of the mindset work that they have done. And that empowers them to keep plugging away when the training gets tough. You can turn back and look at those notes at any point, but I also like to use that the week of the big event, the week of their race, because that is when all that self-doubt kicks in. That's when people suddenly feel the need to try to run 10 more miles or get in one last bike ride or one last hard cardio session. And those things might make you feel better mentally and emotionally, but they do nothing to improve your fitness at that point, that late in the game. And they potentially could put you in a position to injure yourself. And it's taking you out of your plan and you're doing something hard when you should be resting so your body can perform at its peak on race day. So I love to use the journal as a highlight reel to remind my athletes that they have done the work and they are ready to just soar. I ask my athletes to take this idea beyond simply entering their workout into a fitness tracker. I'm talking about taking the time to do your mindset work. People who write and reflect each day are more likely to develop habits that stick. And as we've talked about, when you are training, there is a lot of new stuff that your coach or your training plan that you're being asked to do. So the best way that you can make sure that you stick with it, other than having a coach or an accountability partner, another way is to journal. And you are going to write and reflect about what you've done well, what could go better, how you're feeling, but you're also going to track things like what you're eating, what, how your work day was, how your stress level was, what unexpected things came up that you were not prepared to address. I ask my clients to write a few sentences about how they are feeling after a workout And if they focused on solving life's big problems while they exercised, I want them to jot down a few notes about that too. Most importantly, I want them to start making the connection between exercise and their training, how the workout makes them feel, and then what other benefits are they seeing from that exercise, from being consistent? Are they experiencing an elevated mood, an increase in energy, better concentration and focus? Is there another positive that they associate with the work that they are doing? And even if there's something negative, I want them to jot those things down too because those are clues about maybe some of the mindset work we need to do or clues about things that we need to help them address in other areas of their life. If they are feeling so stressed out at their Tuesday morning track session and they're feeling sluggish, and they can't work out, it's important to go back and kind of backtrack. Well, what happened the day before? Did you get enough sleep? Why did you not get enough sleep? Is it your sleep habits? Is it food that you're eating the day before? 
what are the things that are going on in your life that are affecting your performance. So when you journal, it gives you and your coach a way to tie this all together to kind of be your own personal scientist. It's like your your own science experiment and you are studying your life to see what works and what doesn't because what works for you isn't necessarily going to work for your training partner. And so sometimes you might need to deviate from a training session that you're doing with your training partner. And that might mean something like you need an extra rest day when they're going to go ahead and do that long run. Or maybe something like you're at the track doing mile repeats and your partner's plan calls for four miles and you realize that your body is just not feeling it today and maybe you need to stop at three. All part of listening to your body and the better you are able to listen to your body and give it what it needs, the better your training is going to go. Now, I want to hop back over to this topic of work because I know that work can be one of those big things that can get in your way when you're trying to plan for something. So I would like to suggest that maybe if you have the right kind of people that you work with, that you get your work people, your your coworkers involved. If you're really fortunate, maybe you'll be able to convince them to do a 5K, 10K, half marathon or marathon with you. That would be ideal because you would have somebody who's going through the exact same thing. But even if that is not the case, one of the great things that leaders in any organization can do is just keep their people moving throughout the day. It reduces illness. It keeps people at work more often. It pays off and pays off in productivity. Exercise improves cardiovascular health, bone density, muscle mass, and also has cognitive benefits, like we said, such as focus and productivity. By working out together, training for an event together, one of the big benefits in an office environment is developing camaraderie. People want to feel like they belong. They also want to feel valued and appreciated. And a workplace wellness program or even just something that's informal where you're getting a group of people together to walk at lunch or to train for something, those types of programs, something that involves physical activity, can get the entire group out moving and having fun together. And as a result, conversations flow more freely The activity gives people something in common to discuss. It helps people from different departments interact. It just is a nice way to start a conversation. If you've ever run or walked with somebody early in the morning when it's dark, you know how conversations just flow more freely. You talk about things that you never planned on discussing with people. And those types of experiences can help build relationships. So there are a lot of benefits to getting your coworkers involved in training with you. Even if they're not training for a big event, maybe they're cheering, maybe they're helping plan the attire, maybe they're helping write signs. Whatever you can do to get everybody involved helps the entire team be more productive and feel like they belong. But you also don't have to make a big grand gesture. You don't have to have everybody training. Maybe you could do things like 
incorporating workplace recess on Fridays at lunch or Friday mornings and have a healthy lunch catered in to be served after everyone go- and then everybody goes to the park for yoga or a hit workout or something that resembles a field day from when you were growing up. Other ways that you could boost the fun factor might be to start off your Monday morning meeting or to kick off the work week with a Monday morning dance party, a short dance break incorporated into that Monday morning sales meeting maybe, or the two-minute movement breaks that we talked about. That's another way, just every there's an alarm that goes off or a tone that goes off or somebody starts to play some music and everybody gets up and moves. Of course, this is in my ideal world, right? I know that doesn't work in everybody's office, but wouldn't it be fun if it did? You could train to run or walk a 5K together. You could get people either coming in before work, at lunch, or training together after work, meeting on the weekends for training. You could discuss other wellness-related topics, have speakers come in over lunch, and start educating people who maybe are on the outside looking in, people who want to get involved but aren't really sure how to get involved. And of course, ideally, if your office has extra space, your employer or you, if you're the employer, could have a space, maybe an open office or a corner somewhere where you offered it for people to go to for meditation or yoga, a place where people can go to calm their minds. There's lots of ways that you can incorporate wellness into your workday, into your day, and I hope that this episode has gotten you thinking about some of those things that you can do to maximize your training, to stick with your program, and to listen to your body, and to enlist the support of those around you. Have a fabulous week. Be sure to reach out on social media. You can find me at Power of Run on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. And check me out at crushingmygoals.com. I'd love to know how you're doing. Have a great day. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run. And you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.